This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. 95 to go to to, uh, Oakland. Brief stop, play for Tony. Um, I'm assuming that's where that relationship formed. You went on to Cardinals. You had some some great years for the Cardinals, 96, 97, uh, 98. And, and you mentioned earlier because you got to cross paths yeah. uh, and, and pitch against your dad in the other dugout. You went to Texas second half. But I remember 98. I was, I was with the Reds. And I tell kids today, and my son's in the minor leagues, and, and he asked about, hey, what was – what was Big Mac like? Yeah. I said, buddy, I said, you know how you never really go out before the game and watch the other team hit? You could really give a crap. You're worried about yourself getting yourself ready for the game. Yeah. I said, that was the first time in my career that I got out there early at the stadium in that 98 when it was Sammy and Mac. Yeah. You were there. You had a front row seat for at least half the season. Yeah. Uh, tell people what that was really like. Because I look at all the guys today. I look at Stanton. I look at Aaron Judge. I mean, these guys are behemoths. Yeah. They hit balls for miles. But I, yeah. I'll tell Aaron, I'll say, Aaron, I still don't think anyone's ever hit balls where Mac hits them. Yeah. He was one hand and stuff into the – and for the people that know Bush Stadium, the flags up in left field and BP. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing him do that and making Ron Gant and and Lang for or, uh, oh, who's the left-handed hitter? Langford. Yeah, Langford. They were hitting in the same group, and these guys, Mac was. They look like little leaguers. And I'm crazy, sitting, right? and I'm sitting there thinking, if I had to hit BP with Mac, would it would it mentally scar me for the game? But yeah. uh, you got to see it. Give me a little brief your your tenure. Well, in, uh, I got to say in this St. About, yeah, about Mac. You know, I I first became his teammate in '95 in Oakland, and then you know we traded for him and brought him over to St. Louis, and and. Uh, you know, here's this guy. He's a quiet guy. Number first of all, he's a he's a quiet guy, and and uh, and he's a great he's a great man, and uh, just a great guy. But he became Elvis. If there was anyone that ever became Elvis in a sport, it was kind of like this guy became Elvis. It was like everyone wanted to watch this guy, and and uh, listen, it was like. And, and you mentioned opposing players, like, let's just go watch this guy take BP and see where he can launch balls in the stadium, right? And what happened in 98 was they started on in the opposing stadium when we go on the road, they started to open the gates early just so people could go watch the circus. circus. Yeah. And the circus. And, and, and then poor Mark, he could never take a day off of BP because of the expectation of everyone 
And then it even got even to a, it even grew to a bigger circus where they also they would bring out when he would hit, he had special baseballs he would hit so that when the kids would get them, they could say Mark McGuire hit this out in batting. It became it became and and through all of this in this circus, he stayed humble and he stayed true to himself. And it was crazy. I'm going to tell you how crazy it got in. In 98, he would say, hey, Stott, you want to go, you know, uh, you want to go grab dinner if we had a day game? It's like this and that or whatever. And he would say, and I say, yeah. And I said, and he would say, well, meet me at the service elevator. I go, the service elevator? He goes, yeah, go meet me at the service elevator. It got to a point where he had to have um, like bodyguards at hotels. It got that crazy. And he would have to use the service elevator to go into the parking garage underneath, they would have a car pick us up there and then pull out and no one would see McGuire come and go out of the stadium. I mean, it got to be to where it was like, but through all of this, he, he was, he never, he never big leagued anybody in the clubhouse. He was never above them. He was just part of the group. He was still fun loving and, and all of this, but you know, I got to tell you, I watched him. I watched him in 95 before this even happened. And I watched him where he was coming back. He was on the DL and he was coming back from a little bit of a back injury. And they were soft tossing him on the field. And he was at home plate on one knee hitting balls in the upper deck in the Sky Dome off a soft toss. So, I mean, think about it off of one knee. So he'd, he'd be on one knee because of his back, so he wasn't standing on both and twisting too much. And off of soft toss, he was just launching out of pure strength, balls into the upper deck in the Sky Dome. And I remember watching that going, this is inhuman. Yeah. Like, how is this even possible? And then when I remember when we, and in, and in Arizona, uh, um, they would open up those, those big, <laughs> I guess, windows or whatever, he hit one. He hit a ball completely out of the stadium, in BP. And I'm like, this this guy is like, he's not even. So it was it was the craziest thing. And 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 uh, you know, and you're right. It's like I almost felt bad sometimes because you'd watch Langford and Brian Jordan, you know, and they would hit, you know, and they got and they got big pop, yeah, for for us normal mortals, right? And but you would see McGuire. In the same batting practice, hit balls out of the stadium a hundred feet further. It, it was, by it the was way, a, it was a hundred feet further with no exaggeration. Right, and, and it's like I'm not, you know, you know how you, you got the long drive contest, and you know you got those guys, and they just right. right. How cool would it be to really see how far could Mark McGuire truly hit a baseball? I, I, look, I don't know what the answer is. I would, just, but I would just think. I would buy that ticket to go see how far I got a guy like Mark McGuire can hit a baseball because, but it, I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, baseball needed it at the time. Look, right. major league baseball was, you know, after the last strike and then, you know, you cancel the series and in 94, you know, we were trying to make a comeback with the fans and this and that. And, and everyone put their arms around Sosa and McGuire, you know, and, and that whole chase. And, and it became, it became something special and it became really cool. And, and you're right to have a front row seat. And, you know, I always used to say to Big, you know, Big Mac, I said, you man, you need to be careful on deck because when he was on deck, 
he would no longer watch the pitcher and the hitter. He would kind of either look up or look down, close his eyes. And I would be like, dude, like <laughs> sooner or later, they're going to hit a foul ball over there. And you're such a big man. You're going to get hit or whatever. And he just was never worried about it. And I was like, well, what are you doing? He goes, look, I'm seeing myself like connect balls out front. Right. And, and he goes, I'm seeing myself have success. I'm seeing myself hit the ball and it land in the stadium. I'm seeing myself. And it was like, you know, to not only witness his greatness, but to learn from his greatness, to be able to steal just something small from him that I might be able to add to my game, to watch his preparation, to, to see him go through this, and then to maintain um, the humility of who he was as a person, which is he was never the guy that was gravitating to try to get attention. He, he got the attention because of his greatness, because of his performance. It was awesome to watch. And, you know, you mentioned you played with him in 95. I played against him uh, 92, 93. I was with the Mariners, so I played the Oakland. And that's when it was the Bash brothers, and Mark and Canseco. And, and I remember back then, kill, he was a different man when he went to St. Louis in 98, it was just a, a more polished version of For just sure. that raw power. But Mac had gone to a different level. He was a, a big power guy in Oakland, you know, wasn't hitting for average. He became a great hitter in St. Louis. He was hitting, he was doing all this, but he's hitting 300. Yeah. He wasn't hitting 247. Right. He learned how to hit. Right. And as a result of being a better hitter, his power was even more impressive at that time, but he was two different guys. He always had the, the ridiculous power, but it was at a different level when he got to St. Louis. You know, people forget too. He hit 50 or more home runs three years in a row. Yeah. 50. So it wasn't like, Hey, I just did it one year. Right. I mean, the, the two previous years, he, he'd hit 50 something and 50 something prior to that year. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, this buildup to chase that record. Right. And, and, and I would just, you know, like I say, he, I mean, he became Elvis, he became major league baseball because like you say, players, fans, others, every look, you go into other stadiums, everyone wanted to see him hit a home run. Everyone came early to watch him take batting practice. And then everyone wanted to see him hit a home run. It was crazy. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. After '98, you signed with uh, Arizona uh, for the last for the last uh, four years of your career. At in, after the 2000, you had, you had elbow surgery. You didn't pitch in 2001 when the Diamondbacks won it all, won the World Series, and Schilling Schilling Johnson combo. Uh, you know, the, the unlike it, that's a bittersweet year for me because that was my Mariner team that won all those games. We were supposed to win and. Right. The Yankees eliminated us, but how much were you around that season, uh, the ball club? Yeah, every day. Um, yeah. You know, I was 
uh, I was in the corner locker and to the right of me was Johnson and his lockers and to the left of me was Schilling and his lockers. And, and I got to tell you something, man, it was like, once again, it was like, I had the greatest seat <laughs> in the, in the place. Cause I get to see everything that goes on in the inside of the clubhouse and everything that's going on in the dugout and then a front row seat to everything that's going out on the, on the field to watch those two guys that year was like just, you know, unbelievable. And, and they had this, and I don't even know if they'll admit it, but they, it was almost like, you know, one of them would go throw a shutout and it was like, you know, give up five hits. And the other one was, was going to throw a shutout and wanted to give up four hits. And they had this, this thing about them, but uh, you know, I mean, what a, what a one, two punch. I guess you could probably put it up there in history just about with anyone, the, the way they competed that year. And I wouldn't even know how to look at it, but uh, um, you know, it, it was, I, 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 re, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, it's like, and it was, and it was, and I put myself in a, in a mentally in a different place, because I knew I wasn't going to play that year. That year was off. And, and, uh, and of course that's the year they win. I think that if I wouldn't have played on world championships in Toronto, that would have been hard to swallow to not be able to perform and be a part of it. Right. Um, so what I did in turn is I just found a way that year, Bobby Welch was our pitching coach and, and Welty would always say, hey, Stott, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help, you know. And and a lot of times he would go talk to someone and he'd walk away and he'd come get me. He said, hey, man, uh, see if you can go translate what I just said to him. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, we, we would, you know, I'm like, I understand, Welty. But, you know, so I got to, you know, I got to, like, Bob Melvin was was the bench coach. And, and, and Melvin would be like, hey, man, let's see if we can pick this guy up. You know, the manager giving signs over there. So it was always trying to find, and then I got to work with Young Young Kim a little bit and tried to, you know, tried to help him along. So I was trying to be helpful, stay out of the way, but at the same time in respect, but at the same time had the greatest seed. And, and you know, after, you know, 99, you know, I tear my labrum, bicep tendon away from, uh, pulls away um, uh, from my shoulder and and that whole deal, and then take three months off, come back, pitch in the playoffs in '99, and and then and then in 2000, you know, I show up for my first game and and I go eight innings, and after the game, my elbow's on fire, and, and I'm like, well, I don't, it's I go and I and I remember telling them, I go, it's, it's, it's like it's burning, and they go, well, let's have the doctor take a look at it, and my ulnar nerve had sublexed. And he goes, dude, you need surgery. I go, bro, I can't get surgery because I had built up to, to protect my labrum. I had a hole in my rotator cuff. I tore my labrum and my bicep tendon away from the bone in 99, came back to pitch after three months. I go, I can't give it up. I'll never make a, I'll never come back if I, if I let all these gains and everything go because I built up so much around it just to protect it kind of redid my mechanics. I did, I kind of went through this whole thing over, over three months to get back to the big leagues and and then the pitch in the playoffs. And then, so then it was like, you know, and I wasn't pitching well, which is funny, but in April and May, I was eight and one. I got an elbow ulnar nerve sublex. I got a hole in my cuff, torn labrum, bicep tendons torn from the bone. And I'm having the best win loss I've ever had <laughs> first two months. 
Now, I think I probably had a five and a half earning. I think the team felt so bad for me, they would just score runs every time I would pitch. And then it got to a point where, you know, it, it was almost like the team would bet, will he make it out of the bullpen today? And and uh, and then I finally got to a point where it was like, man, I was out there making stuff up. I was like, what can I throw that doesn't hurt so much? And and uh, and then what happened is I, I got to a point where it was like I just couldn't take it. So I went on the DL for a while and then tried to come back at the end again. And then crazy enough, in, in 2001, I showed up for spring training and I throw three innings against the Giants lights out. And it's so funny because uh, um, uh, Brindley, his quote was Stottlemyre's back. So that was the headlines in Arizona. And I throw three three innings, no hit innings against the Giants in spring training. Well, I go to uh, two days later, I go to go through my stretching and I'm going to go do a bullpen workout. And all of a sudden we go to play catch and I'm standing there with Mike Morgan of all people. And the Mo and man, he, and me and Mo man were like, we were, you know, play, we were team, we were buddies. We did all the throwing together and everything else. And, 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 and I take the ball out of my glove, but I can't raise my arm. And it's no, I'm not having any pain, but my arm, literally, I can't raise my arm. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, and then I kind of like muster enough mental deal to where it's like, I'm going to get it up. And I threw it and I threw it up like about 10 feet away, straight into the ground. And then Mo goes and gets it. And he, you know, he fires a cutter or sinker back at me, you know, and, and then I go to throw again and I'm like, I can't raise my right arm. And I call the trainer over. I say, Hey man, I can't raise my right arm. I go, it's like, someone's got a voodoo doll of me. It's almost like my arms paralyzed. And he's like, Oh no. And, it, and he goes, I'm going to call Zeman in, in Phoenix. He goes, I said, well, see if you can get me in. I said, I'm going to go shower and drive to Phoenix. So I drive up to Phoenix and I walk into David Zeman's office, who's done all my surgeries or, or after he, he'd been part of this whole process with me. And, and I say, and, and he picks my arms up, right? And then he lets go and this one just flops down the right arm. And I'm like... And so they take me to then go get a nerve test. My long thoracic nerve from my neck down through my shoulder blade that wraps around. So the longest nerve in our body went completely dead. And the answer was hole and rotator cuff, torn labrum, bicep tendon torn away from the bone, ulnar nerve sublex. Your body finally said, you're not going to listen to me. Then the nerve starts shutting down and the nerve shut down and and uh, so I say, well, what's next? They say, well, it could it could regenerate in three days, three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years or whatever. We don't know when. And I'm like, well, I don't have like three years. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I and and so we decided uh, we just, you know, we give it a month and then see where I'm at and then give it another month. And then I got to the all star break. I go, this is stupid. I'm like. And I still can't raise my right arm and I and I can't throw. And I'm like, well, if that so we get together with all the doctors and I said, well, if the nerve is dead because everything is torn in my body and I'm not listening to it. Let's fix everything. Now, I knew this was a taking a chance. I said, let's fix everything, because if I fix everything, maybe my nerve will regenerate. So we fix my shoulder. We fix my elbow. We do all the things. And uh 
and it kind of it started to regenerate and never got back to full form, but enough where I could raise my right arm and try to throw. The problem was, um, you know, once we did all the surgeries, they didn't expect me to ever be able to pitch at that level again. And and every time I would get close through minor league rehab, start something would break and I'd be back at the table I'd, from bone spurs, taking them out of my elbow and a week later, go back to the mound to, to this and that. And then I finally decided, I said, look, I'm not going to be able to start. Maybe I can help you guys in the bullpen. So I did like six or seven times in, in the minor leagues coming in out of the bullpen, throw well one inning, maybe I'd be a setup guy. And I'm one pitch away from joining the team. And, and, uh, <laughs> in 2002 and and I got two outs I got two strikes on the guy and I found him unleash a fastball and I throw it like 30 feet up on the screen and everything in my shoulder my back everything explodes and I'm like holy shit I'm done this is it and they came out and and I was like <laughs> I'm like man I go every everything was in pain and I go explosion and I walked off a minor league field and a rehab deal and I thought holy shit I'm done and my last outing was in a minor league rehab I was so bitter because of it at the time and I remember I went to Colangelo last game of 02 I said bro can I pinch hit can I do something I I need to walk off a major league field and he goes, mm-mm. He goes, uh, he goes, because if I activate you <laughs> to hit, then that insurance claim that we're collecting on is null and void. And he goes, that one in bat's worth $8 million. <laughs> He goes, you want to take the insurance claim? I'll give you your bat. I was like, eh, I don't know if it's worth $8 million, so I'll go ahead and move on. Yep. <laughs> Well, that is awesome. Uh, Todd, I appreciate you coming on the program. A lot of, man, you go down memory lane, you've, you've been so many historic places and, and awesome place, teammates and world championships and, and the family stories. You know, I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours about that. But I really appreciate coming on. Great career, uh, almost 1,600 punch outs, 138 wins. You know, we we covered pretty thoroughly the, the three World Series rings and uh, – I, I brings me back to to when I was first coming to the game, watching you guys up in Toronto have all that fun. And you know, when you when you're young, you look at things that affect you, and you think, "Wow, one day maybe I could do that." And yeah. and I remember that. So that this was a lot of fun for me. Remember, say it for me. What is it? Qui Quibo Quibito or Quibito. Koi Bito, your Keystone Koi Advisors. Koi. Yeah, man. Keystone Advisors. I'm watching on social media. You're always yeah. you're, you're you're busy, man, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate your time, man. It was a I lot of fun. Let me tell you something, Booney. I I uh, I was thrilled, humbled when you reached out. I've always respected the way you played the game. Um, you know, I love how you know you were coming to get it done every day, and and uh, you know we kind of share that thread together and course we share a lot of threads with family and family history but i've always i always had a tremendous amount of respect for you i loved competing against you well i would say i loved competing against the competitor in you wasn't always fun but uh hey man i I appreciate it i love what you're doing and uh keep keep up the great work and and i'll see hopefully i'll see you and we'll pass uh we'll have a beer together sometime you got it thanks todd and for all you out there 
watching the Boone podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Subscribe. Let me know what you think. We always love the feedback. Until next time, we'll see you then. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.